love, compassion, giving yourself a break, the freedom of just forgiving and moving on. You are in the right place if you want to be thinking higher quality thoughts and loving with your whole being. We can love ourselves into ease. We can melt polarization. I'm Danielle Laporte, and this is With Love, Danielle. Hello, my loves. Today could be edgy, could be juicy, could be illuminating, could be paradigm-busting. Ideally, this conversation is helpful and healing. I want to take a meta, bigger, higher, more uh, metaphysical perspective on our sense of woundedness, on the patterns that we adopt from childhood and then get replayed out into our future. Okay, so I think most of us can get down with a theory that we go through certain events, circumstances when we're younger from parents, family, caregivers. Those events, positive, negative, leave an impression on our psyche. Sometimes you know, bruising us, sometimes extremely traumatizing to unspeakably dark. And then, of course, we have the positive range of experience of happiness and comfort and love and joy and, you know, being illuminated and and taught and adored and comforted by all the people, players, surroundings of our early days on the planet. Okay. Most of us can or have made the connection between early events of our lives and the patterns that play out for us in adulthood. So this is psychology 101 that we get trained or traumatized typically by family of origin and by family of origin I'll just lump in all caregivers. So it could be siblings, it could be teachers, it could be our elders, right? And those events leave a deep imprint on our psyche. And then we will recreate those kinds of situations and scenarios throughout our lives until we go back and we do the healing work. We heal the trauma. We see the lie that we've been believing for so long because of whatever happened to us, for us. And we break the pattern. So for example, there's lots of data on the fact that women who are physically abused by their fathers when they're younger have a very high likelihood of when they are adults getting into relationships with partners, romantic partners, who are also physically abusive. They replay that pattern until they do the healing, break the pattern. So we can deduce that early formative events of our lives will very likely magnetize similar dynamics to us throughout our entire life until we do the healing. This is accurate. 
But this is not the whole story. And this is where we begin with this breakdown of the anatomy of woundedness. So let's really go there. I want to start with the end in mind. That forgiving is the ultimate in taking responsibility for our own healing. I'm going to say that a few times in a few different ways. I really am hoping this lands. If you want to heal, and I know you do, the surest way to do that is to practice forgiveness. Let me flip that inside out, upside down. Forgiveness is the most certain, guaranteed route to being a whole, vitalized, awake person. Forgiveness is the medicine. So let's go back to family for a second. You have a childhood. You're born. You get messed up in your childhood by people who never healed from their own childhoods and who, for better or worse, are just doing the best that they can. And then our early history gets replayed in the dynamics of our adult lives until we wake up and break the cycle. So most of us, we understand this phenomenon, right? If not, just consult your nearest psychotherapist. Psychology supports this theory, but this is where I really want to zoom out. What happens for most of us is that we end up in the therapist's office saying, you know, these are all the events of my childhood, and this is why I'm repeating this pattern, and I want to break this cycle. And that's great. That's awakening. But I think what happens is there's this overemphasis sometimes, not all the time, and there is a danger of excessive blame in the direction of all of the people involved in those original events. Sometimes we just get in these psychological ruts where we keep looking at the people and the circumstance who caused the pain, and we never go back further to see how we actually magnetized those original events to us. So let's press pause. A lot of us in this wellness, personal development space are down with the theory that when we incarnate, we choose our parents, except that theory gets really hard to swallow when you've had a particularly traumatizing or neglectful early childhood and beyond. But that's where I want us to go in terms of consideration. How about this? I think that what happens is that the soul comes in with a particular pain theme to be healed. That pain theme magnetizes to us the parents, the caregivers, the original circumstances that are going to push against that pre-incarnational wound. We come in with the assignment to heal the wound. Whenever you have an assignment to heal a wound, that pain is going to be exacerbated. That shadow is going to get stirred up so you can bring it to the surface and you can actually do the healing work. 
We attract people into our lives who push against the pain, push our buttons, trigger us, so we can access our capacity to heal. So we're taking this back even further. It's not that we get messed up in our childhoods and we end up in therapy and realize that we have all the capacity to be whole and awake and loving and healthy in all the ways. It's that we're born with themes that then get played out in our earlier lives. We have a pre-assignment to heal a pre-existing wound. Nothing is by accident. The soul is selecting our earth family. And then the earth family and all of its various constellations, the earth family gives us an opportunity to work through what we've been carrying around for lifetimes. So the soul is saying, let's continue to work on this ancient pain theme that you have. And then the soul magnetizes to us all those formative relationships and experiences that give us the healing material. This is the operative concept here. Healing material that we need to work with. What's all that material in our early upbringings, the suffering, the bliss, the hardship, our giftedness, our talents, all the love, all the nurturing, all the neglect, it's all material for us becoming healers of our own lives and healers of each other. So let's work from present time for a second. You know that you might have, say, this theme of abandonment because you were abandoned by your caregivers or your family and some way early on, and then you continue to manifest, perpetuate this theme of abandonment in your adult life, like you marry a guy who's never around, or you get sold out by your team, or your best friends are always moving across the country, you're never feeling met and always feeling kind of abandoned <laughs> by your romantic partners. And you have the awareness that it's a repeating theme. Let's zoom back even further. You incarnate with this pain theme of abandonment. And then it's possible, it's worth considering, that one with a pain theme of abandonment is going to be born into circumstances where they are abandoned in some way. The soul is helping you magnetize these situations so you can heal them. This happens precisely so that you can come to a revelation that you have actually never been abandoned by that which is greater than you. Life has always had your back. And then you move in to your full capability of healing, and you standing by you. Our higher guidance creates a circumstance for us to face our abandonment issue so that we realize that we are the beloved. We learn through contrast, right? So we get thrown into the abyss to find our solid ground. Or maybe we come in with this pain body around rejection. We attract more of that early on to realize 
that we can and will and do in order to fully, finally accept ourselves. We bring in this overarching theme of injustice. We magnetize, create, fall into, manifest experiences of injustice so that we can learn to completely reclaim our innocence, to stand for the innocence of ourselves and for others. Earth is just a classroom. Every lifetime, or just this one in particular, is for us to move through the wound to healing sequence. So considering that might help us lighten up on all the people who inflicted, conflicted, (laughs) misdirected, yeah. I mean, we all know on a heart intelligence level that everybody just doing the best that they can with what they've got to work with at the time. But I think we could save a lot of money in extended therapy bills. I'm pro-therapy and working it out and tapping it out and looking at how original circumstances affect our current behavior. I think that's a genius thing to do. But there comes a time when you need to pull back, take radical responsibility on a soul level for what we all choose to enter into to realize our divine nature. It's trippy. It can be really hard to wrap your head around, especially when we've had extremely traumatizing situations. Gotta leave a lot of room for mystery in this. Let me try and break it down for us in an even more simplified, sequential way. (laughs) Because being a personal development author and speaker, I have to put things in steps. I have seven steps for us. It is called The Wound to Healing Sequence. This is part of my new book, How to Be Loving. How to be loving when your heart is breaking open and the world is waking up, which is all about a heart-centered approach to life. Really, the book itself is the wound to healing sequence. Let me just shamelessly and joyfully give it a pitch right now. The book is just out in the world. The response is beautiful. The words I'm hearing are comfort, relief, nuance, compassion, and some other brilliant, lovely things. Please head out, get a copy for yourself and your friends and everybody you've ever met in your entire life, wherever you like to purchase books. And hopefully that is with an independent book publisher. And when you do that, you come back to my site, daniellelaporte.com slash how to be loving. Let us know that you've purchased the book and I'm going to send you a loving reminder via a voice memo every Sunday for a year. And there's some other beautiful treats and becoming part of our community. It's all, it's all about loving. Let me walk you through the wound to healing sequence. Step one, family. Welcome to earth. You are here, baby born. You are assigned a family or caregivers. And naturally, what's going to happen? They're going to fall short of your fantastical, fantasy, crazy expectations of perfect love and supportiveness because 
there is no human on the earth, even the humans who love you the most, who are going to meet all of your expectations for perfect love because we are all imperfect in the most perfect way. Now, sometimes the pain that we experience in our early days can be inflicted on us in very intentional, almost beyond comprehension kind of ways. The big trauma stuff. And sometimes our bumps and our bruises are coming from people who had the very best of intentions. They're learning right alongside with us, right? So you're here. You got a family. They're going to fall short of your expectations. That's the way it goes, right? And then we move into the second phase, which is rejection. So whatever the degree of our disappointment or our heartbreak in our upbringing, it's probably going to lead us to some feeling of cast out, on the edge, unworthy, not valued. Because those imperfect humans could not meet our idealized version of love, of parenting, of community, of caregiving. And it leaves us feeling on the outside of what we desire most. When we don't get what we want with all of our hearts, that deepest craving, then we have that fringy kind of cast out feeling. And what is that going to lead to? Phase three, which is repression. What I think happens is when we experience all those emotions of rejection because people haven't met our love fantasy, then we're going to respond to that feeling of rejection that we're carrying inside of us with repression. Let me say that another way. We've got that energy, that emotion of rejection. We're carrying it around with us and we want to hide it. We want to repress it. Why do we want to repress it? For two reasons. We want to repress that pain of rejection because we love everybody around us. Even if they haven't been great to us, it is our natural impulse. It is our own internal divine order to be loving. This is why children just naturally love. So close to their true nature, right? We're just loving, loving, loving. We don't want to offend or hurt anybody by letting them know that they've let us down. So we're repressing that feeling of being let down. And then also we move into that phase depending on the severity of neglect or abuse, where it's actually the safest move. It's in our best interest of survival to not let the people around us know that we are disappointed in them, that we are having some, some anger and some upset building towards them. The other reason we repress our feelings of rejection is because to really get in there and feel that pain, that anguish of not getting what you wanted the most from the people you love the most, very painful. I think the human psyche says we're just going to deal with that way later when we have the capacity or we're not going to deal with it at all because we have a fear of falling apart if we touch that pain. Now, side note, you don't fall apart when you touch that pain. It's that the masks come off, the things that aren't serving you get burned to a crisp. 
and you realize the light, the strength, the healing, the wisdom that comes from tending to that pain. Your greatest liberation is in nursing that pain, looking it straight in the eye and giving it all the love that you can. Totally change your life. You become who you really are. Okay, so you get to earth, you have a family, then there's some rejection, and then you repress that rejection. And then what happens when you repress anything? You get a little bit ashamed about what you're repressing. You're not bringing it out to the light. You're hiding it. And just by nature of hiding, there comes some shame. Unconsciously repressing the pain of our rejection builds into a sense of shame. We're shamed because we want more. We're ashamed because we don't feel worthy enough. We're ashamed of our own emotions of resentment. We think we shouldn't want what we want. We think we're asking for too much. We love the people that we love and they've fallen short and we feel ashamed of wanting more for them. It's just a lot of shamey, right? What happens when you're ashamed? It gets grosser. This is going to get better, by the way. Stay with me. <laughs> but when you're ashamed, there's an immediate guilt response. And you feel guilty about repressing your feelings of being rejected and about feeling rejected by a family that didn't meet your idealistic dream of love. So what's all that up to? You're here. You got a family. There's a perception of rejection. Then we repress it. Then we feel ashamed about that. And then we feel guilty for all of that. And then we just feel separate. We feel separate from what we're craving. We feel separate from the people around us. We feel separate from our power. So predicated on not getting that perfect ideal love that we expected, then we just perpetuate the illusion that we've been abandoned or the illusion that we're separate from creation or family or our higher self, right? More separation. This is phase seven in the sequence. This is where everything gets better and we get to know our divine power. This is why we're here. I think this is why we incarnate, to forgive. What's the heart for? Everybody been with me for a while? The heart is for giving. The heart is the center of our beingness. We are here to love, to give love and to receive love, that beautiful infinity loop of just loving. What rectifies and clarifies and heals the rejection, the repression, the shame, the guilt, the separation? So simple. Forgiving. Pouring love on it. Pouring love on the family of origin. Pouring love on our own feelings of rejection. Pouring love on all the repression and the shame, etc. We pour love on our own experience on the judgment of our own experience, on our judgment of others. We pour love on the mistreatment, on the neglect. We pour love on the unconsciousness of everybody involved. That's the game changer. I know that for some of us, it's a huge stretch. If you can't even conceive of forgiving, but you want the relief of no longer carrying the burden of the pain and the judgment and the blame and the shame, you can just ask spirit, the God of your understanding, for some ease and for some comfort. 
You can ask for support to be willing to consider to forgive. You can just micro-step your way to forgiveness. Just help me consider that forgiveness might be possible. Help me just imagine what it would be like to move into forgiving. And then you extend your prayer, like these concentric circles radiating out from your heart. Dear spirit, dear life, dear creation, I'm really struggling with this. Please help me to forgive. Show me what forgiveness would think and do and say. Support me to embody forgiveness. Help me to love. And that's the wound to healing sequence. Imagine what happens when we forgive the people involved in our originating circumstances. We smash patterns. We smash the toxic patriarchy. We become the healers. We become the gods. We become the progenitors of a new way of being. We allow for Christ consciousness to work with us, through us, for us with a simple, profound, majestic act of forgiving. Just let everybody off the hook. (laughs) It's that simple if you can. You got assigned a family of caregivers. Your original community, whatever shape they were in, was exactly what you needed to work on your long existing themes. We have a pre-assignment to heal a pre-existing wound. The soul gives us exactly what we need to receive in order to discover our power. So you will heal the wound of rejection. You're going to dissolve the habit of repression. You're going to rinse away the shame and the guilt. You're going to move through separation anxiety. You're going to rectify all those abandonment issues. And you're going to do all of that simultaneously and in cohesion. You heal the rejection theme then at the same time, you're starting to wash away the guilt. You replace the illusion of separation anxiety with committing to never abandoning yourself, always being tender, gentle, listening to your heart. And then simultaneously, you're working on your abandonment issues. This all happens in cohesion. It's such great news. At least I think so. Forgiving our families, our original circumstances, is the ultimate in taking responsibility for our own healing and wholeness. Everything we want. The prosperity, the vitality, the ease, the beauty, the relaxation, it is all on the other side of forgiving. We got to go down into the muck of human relationships. There's so much fertility in those roots. And you see the hardships and you see the blessings. And you see the blessings and the hardships. And you can sometimes see the hardships and the blessings. (laughs) And what we do when we go down 
is we find out that life source, that creation has been holding us the whole time. That the infinite, the divine father, the divine mother has been parenting us all along. We have never once been abandoned. Something greater than ourselves is breathing us at all times. I have a beautiful little graphic of this wound to healing sequence in these seven phases. Of course, it's for free. You head to daniellelaporte.com slash love notes. And I've got a series of love notes that have been building up, all inspired by the How to Be Loving book and deck and journal. We face our abandonment to realize that we are the beloved. We get thrown into the abyss to find our solid ground. We face rejection in order to fully accept ourselves and others. We face injustices in order to reclaim our innocence. We move from the perceived wound into the power of healing. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word with love.